Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit ChildAndFamilyResourceNetwork.org today. This podcast of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs is sponsored by AAA Heating and Air. Attention homeowners, due to upcoming government regulations, the current energy efficiency ratings for HVAC systems will change. Current inventory cannot be sold after December 31st. As the year 2023 starts, customers can expect to pay an average of 30% more for a new HVAC unit that will meet the new government regulations. So what does this mean for you, the customer? There's no better time to purchase a new HVAC system. AAA Heating and Air must empty their warehouse to make room for the new systems. No deals will be turned down. With their 15-year parts and labor warranty plus guaranteed financing, they have made it possible for anyone to get a new system. Call today and enjoy your new home comfort as quickly as tomorrow. But you can only get this special deal by calling 803-677-1500. AAA Heating and Air wants to give you their best deal possible on a new HVAC unit, but you have to call today. 803-677-1500. And tell them you heard about this deal on 107.5 The Game's Gamecock Central Podcast. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs, founded by Fireman with Pearson Fowler. This has been in the works for a while. We're really excited to officially have the Gamecock Central Hour. Chris Clark. And JJ has accepted an invite to the Senior Bowl already, which is awesome, uh, the Reese's Senior Bowl. And Wes Mitchell. Um, I think he's well above 200 into like the 210 range. Uh, a dude in the weight room, too, like from a strength standpoint. On the home of the Gamecocks, 107.5 The Game. Game. 11.01 Friday morning and welcome into the Gamecock Central Hour. Pearson Fowler, Wes Mitchell here with you. Chris Clark will be back in on Monday as will Coach P tweets. It's a beautiful Friday afternoon. I say that not ironically because I love a rainy day every once in a while. How do you feel about rainy days, Wes? Is it bumming you out? I mean... It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. I'm not. I'm not gonna let it get me down. Good. I, I can. T- I can take one rainy day. I don't. I don't like when these things settle in in just like a rainy week. Yeah. You know what I'm saying that's fair. Give me a rainy day. I'll be all right. I, I want like a. Well, I love a rainy day, especially if it's on a weekend and it's just like all right. I'm just. I'm not getting anything done today. I'm just gonna like watch a couple movies, make some popcorn. That's the best. Uh, South Carolina is practicing later this afternoon. Uh, Two fifty four is when. The uh, flex period is scheduled to start. I guess they'll move inside if it's raining. Yeah. If it's wet, will it still be outside? I got to think, um, looking at it, looking outside right now, I got to think we're inside today. Um, You don't don't want to get anybody, you know, stepping wrong, slipping. Uh, You're starting to get closer and closer to kickoff. Um, There might be some some old heads out there saying, you know, a little rain never hurt nobody, but um, actually... It, it can directly lead to to people getting hurt. So I, I got to think there's about a 99% chance um, that they're inside today. Yeah. That, honestly, that's probably better for us. I feel like it's easier to see everything in the practice facility than it is spread out over the two fields. So for the, the periods that are open to us today, 
Maybe we'll get a little better sense. And they'll be in full pads. Could could be fun. Could be a good view. You uh, So you're going out there again? I will be out there again. Sweet. I mean, I go out there whenever I can. It's just, you know, when it coincides. You're normally behind that glass. Huh? You're normally behind that glass over there when they're I know. out there practicing. I know, yeah, so. which is a shame. But I'm glad to, to get to see it. Yesterday was their first practice in full pads. Tomorrow is their first scrimmage. Um, well, actually, let's start there. We have a few recruiting notes to get to. I want to talk to you about the linebacking core as well. Um, but with the first scrimmage tomorrow, this is going to be very instructive. I think probably in the next week with the scrimmage being tomorrow is when you will start to see South Carolina get an idea of when the depth or, or how the depth chart is being settled. So is tomorrow still just throw as many guys into the mix in the scrimmage as possible to see what works? Or will you see the coaching staff already start to say, here are the ones, here are the twos, here are the threes? You know, that's a good question. Um, you know, I'll be curious to see what Beamer says about that. He is speaking after the scrimmage. It, it seems like um, your first scrimmage most of the time is still, you know, hey, we're, we're giving a bunch of guys an opportunity. But obviously the closer and closer, so it's August 12th right now, closer and closer you get to game day, like game week, um, you know, you see coaches start to really narrow that thing down and, and kind of start to think, hey, the, you know, this freshman may be, isn't helping right off the bat this mm-hmm. year. You start to kind of pare down the list of guys that are actually getting those reps in practice. But generally, it, it just feels like scrimmage one, you're still going to give most of the guys an opportunity. I'll be curious to see um, just from a kind of uh, operation standpoint, logistics standpoint, is this going to be a scrimmage where you still have coaches on the field, mm-hmm. um, you know, like doing instruction and helping guys get lined up? Or is this going to be a scrimmage where – you kind of throw everybody into the fire, put coaches up in the box, coaches are on the sideline as opposed to really instructing and just kind of see what happens. Generally, you know, you're, you're going to have at least a scrimmage or two that is basically a game day simulation where you're going to put the headsets on, you're going to work. You know, that, that's actually, it's big for just the guys who are having to signal in the plays on the sideline as well. Right. So um, I haven't heard what this one's going to look like Um will be interesting to see if they're like, hey, we, you know, maybe they say we feel far enough along to uh, to go ahead and kind of do this as a simulation, or maybe they'll say, ah, let's do a first scrimmage, uh, you know, more along the lines of uh, a gl- a little bit more glorified practice. But this is kind of the start of kind of kind of moving day where you're looking at all right, which guys are going to help this year and which guys aren't. That's really interesting, and in terms of breaking guys in, kind of going the going the slow route, the more kind of hold your hand route to the scrimmage. It's just Sterling Lucas and Jody and Jody Wright that aren't familiar with the specifics of Carolina's game day operation. Although I guess both of those guys were were both of those guys hired by the spring game or was Jody after? No, they they were both there for the spring. Okay. So. All right, so so they've been through the ops of it once. In terms of the players on the two deep, only Corey Rucker and Austin Stogner pretty much will have not been through it. It's it's so funny how different things are last because last year was first time for Shane Beamer, first time for all of his staffers, so many new players, and there are a lot of new faces, but there is so much more familiarity. It feels like night and day, and I and I wonder if it will not allow them to just jump in and say all these guys were here. I mean, Austin's, I mean, he's an old vet; he's not going to be thrown off by it. You know, Corey will be fine. Everybody else, I mean, this is kind of old hat for them. Yeah, and I I, I don't think. Um... I don't, I don't think you can overstate how important that should be for South Carolina this year. All the stuff that we 
never or rarely think about and and never talk about just you know even just the a game day and how it's scheduled and the just sort of process probably the thing if you're an assistant coach you take for granted and then when you become the head coach you're like wow there is a ton I have to think about every single day from a scheduling standpoint and just logistics of getting here to there um you know Beamer, we, we talked about earlier this week, Beamer talking about, yeah, we practiced the alma mater in the <laughs> hotel room. The fan tailgating in Gamecock Park, putting back drinks, we, we, we don't think of that stuff, you know, but that's all something that's on the plate of a first-year head coach. I got, you know, Beamer has been asked, doesn't it feel like the most asked question this entire offseason, well, what did you learn about yourself and your team mm-hmm. and, you know, your style as a coach in year one? Um, and it's a cliched question, but, uh, you know, there there's some value in that question in that it points out, hey, you know, there's a lot of stuff you had never done. And in any industry, you may think you have it all figured out, but when you have to go do something for the first time, you realize what you don't know. Mm-hmm. So I, I've got to think from everything from scrimmages to practice schedules to game day plans, um, Year two is just going to be a lot more comfortable for everybody involved. And to your point, man, you've got you've got a lot of guys who have been here. A lot of your new guys were here in the spring, and even those kids are, are older guys that have played. I mean, yeah, Johnny Reed's probably twenty two ish right now, anyway, right? I mean, yeah, he's, and, he's and also very mature, you yeah. know, mature guys. Reed Rattler, Beal Smith. He's, he was a grad transfer, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah they've been through game days, man. So. Um, it, it is different than just, I mean, last year, new head coach, new OC, new DC, new special teams coordinator, new, you know, new everything. So now for the most part, all those, and, and Sterling Lucas, uh, Jody Wright, you know, they've done a, they've done a fantastic job by all indications doing their job to coach up their positions. But as far as the logistics of it, you know, them being here, isn't going to change much as far as how mm-hmm. the offense, defense, or special teams operates as well. You know, it's not like you're sitting there saying, well, brand new defense or brand new offense. It's it's all going to be the same. Have you seen a copy of a game day schedule internally? You know, I have not. The closest thing to that was um, way back early Muschamp. It was actually, from my perspective, one of the coolest things Muschamp did was he had a true behind-the-scenes spring game. Oh, yeah, yeah. A couple of... Uh, it was I think like, I was there. Yeah, it was like a media guy from each um, outlet or so mm-hmm. got picked, and you were behind the scenes for the entire process. Yeah. And uh, I ended up on the sideline with a headset on, um, listening to T-Rob uh, call plays, basically. So that that was actually really, really cool. And um, it, it is... I mean, everything is, as you would expect, um, locked in, like, to a T. You know, we, we make fun of... Oh, 254 practice, but that, that's the way it is on game day. Like at this yeah. exact moment, this is when this thing is starting. Yeah, well, that's why I was asking because I, I wonder if that's like, you know, 1017 to 1019, practice the alma mater, 1019 to 1021, you know, use the bathroom before you get on the bus. Like, you know, I, I imagine it as much as we're joking about that, like it does seem to be that meticulously scheduled. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, uh, I guess that'll be a point of intrigue for me. I hope somebody asks Shane that uh, on Saturday afternoon because I'm, I'm just very curious mechanically how things are, are going to change for South Carolina. But uh, what, a couple scrimmages, three scrimmages, and you'll probably get a depth chart after scrimmage number two usually? Three? I, I 
we were trying we were actually talking about this the other day. I think last year they did not introduce a public depth chart until the week of really? game one. Like I, that Tuesday that probably Tuesday, yeah, when you know, Tuesday is when they, they put out the game notes and all that stuff. Yeah. I think that was the first official depth chart. Okay. I, internally though, yeah, yeah. You know, you they're gonna the guys themselves will start to have an idea and uh, you know, as Preston has pointed out, um my one of my favorite things about having Preston on the show is he you know, he can give you that unique insight of what it is like being in the building. And you know, he said there's moments, hey, you start to learn. Um, man, I thought I was going to be the guy running out there when they said ones. Mm-hmm. And then coach is like, all right, you're with the twos. Yeah. So it, there may not be an, an official printed out document with, you know, with the depth chart yet. But the guys, I, I feel like very soon will start to kind of get an idea of, oh, you know, hey, I'm in a good place or yeah. – I'm not. Well, the four of us have talked about it a lot, too. I mean, how, how many spots really – I mean, the coaches probably know 19 of the 22 guys that are going to be starting for them, I would say, at this point. So you talk about a depth chart internally. Like, they probably pretty much already have it. And a couple of spots up for grabs, like maybe that right tackle, maybe, you know, your your Z receiver, maybe. But by and large – if it's less settled than we think, is that good or bad for South Carolina? I think in this case, that's probably pretty good, man. Because that the settled spots, like um, it, it actually probably means somebody new um, has just stepped up yep. and and has taken a spot. But um, you know, I I kind of look at it like even when you have these position battles, most of the time, I feel like coaching staffs have a pretty good idea. Oh, this guy's probably going to win this job. Like, there's probably an expectation, even even if that coach would never voice it. Like, you want it to be a true battle, right? Like mm-hmm. a true competition. But internally, there's probably all right. This kid's probably going to win this job. Um, there, I would say there's only a couple where even internally, like I, I I believe that spot besides Zach Pickens starting defensive tackle spot. Um, now I don't know if anything's changed there in the first week, but going in, I think that was a spot where even internally. Um, you know, they felt good about all the options there, but I don't think there was an expectation of this person is going to win it. I, I think you look at Boogie Huntley, who I think has sort of just been steadily coming on a little bit. You look at MJ Webb, uh, older guy, veteran. You look at um, Taka Hemingway, of course, TJ Sanders, uh, the young younger guy in there. So, I mean, you got a good group there, and I think they're all going to be fighting it out. Um, was interesting, though, when we were at open practice, uh, Boogie working in there with the ones. Mm-hmm. So. Well, I was reminded Wednesday night watching that Welcome Home on ESPNU. Uh, you know, Boogie with a couple of sacks in the spring game, um, and, and seems like he's he seems like he's you know bulked up a little bit. That's one of the hardest parts, you know, for a lot of people playing on the interior of the line on either side of the scrimmage. It's you know getting getting your weight up and kind of keeping the speed up. I don't know what his numbers actually are, how his measurables have changed, but he he looks more like an SEC football player. Where a couple of years ago he was. Coming out of high school, he was like a big high school football player, but now seems to seems to look the part a little bit more in the Garnet and Black. 803-404-6100. Want to hear from you guys. South Carolina scrimmaging tomorrow, so we'll have thoughts from Shane Beamer, I guess, after that on Saturday, but we'll have a chance to talk about some of those early developments in the depth chart on Monday when we get back. 803-404-6100. Love Chevy phone line, text line, however you guys want to be a part of the show, and you can get either one of us on Twitter at Pearson Fowler, at West Mitchell GC. Plenty of Gamecock recruiting to get to as well. The good, the bad, and the ugly in recruiting. 
It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen. With Pearson Fowler, Chris Clark, and Wes Mitchell. On the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. Eleven nineteen Friday morning. Welcome back into the extra point. The Gamecock Central Hour continuing here on 107.5 The Game. Wes Mitchell in studio today. Chris Clark will be back on Monday as the downpour is now officially torrential. Wes, did you look outside during the break? No, but I am now. Wow. Jeez. Um, If you're driving down Gervais Street, like right around downtown area, right on the corner of Sumter and Gervais, uh, it floods. So be careful driving. Like the curb is underwater right now. I think practice will be inside today. We have raised our percentage from 99% to 100%. 100%, yeah. Yes. yeah that's that's confirmed. Um, so last night, uh, an auspicious debut for South Carolina's own Kevin Harris in his first game as a New England Patriot. Under center on the second goal to go give. And Harris, this time lower on the shoulders, up the middle of the dive. And a touchdown, Patriots! A classic Kevin Harris touchdown, just grit, muscle. Um, and now... The uh, additional New England connection with Mikey Uva, sticking with Gamecock Central, doing some stuff with the Pats. Did did Mike tell you specifically that he just did he just go up there to follow Kevin? Well, I noticed um, like half of Mike's tweets about the Pats game were also about <laughs> Kevo Harris yeah. and um, his his like pick to click or whatever they call it um, on his show up there was for Kevin Harris and. Uh, I think uh, the one highlight he posted was of Kevin Harris. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I I think you're on to something there, man. But how about, like you said, a classic Kevin Harris run? And he looked explosive, too. Like, he, mm-hmm. he hit the hole um, with some intention, <laughs> it felt like. And uh, that that was cool to see. I, I mean, I, I'm not, uh, Pearson, a huge like NFL guy. Like, I'm much more of a college guy. But Kevin just, he seems like somebody who could quietly stick around the league for a while if he can stay healthy. And uh, the Patriots are probably a good fit for him because not a guy that says a whole lot, just sort of puts his head down, um, you know, does his job. Uh, I, I think it's a good fit, and that, that was cool to see him uh, get the first TD, even if it is preseason. Definitely a good fit. Hard-nosed running style, you know, just protect the football. You know, a little bit of the Muschamp kind of like do your job mentality. But the one thing that's always scary is you never know. Like Bill Belichick's just like, you know, this game we're going to have six running backs. And, you know, this game we're going to have zero running backs. So you mm-hmm. do kind of never know. Um, yeah. yeah. But ultimately, I do think that's it. I mean, it's it's never bad to land in the best organization in all of professional football. So good to see Kevin Harris. Uh, and, and like you said, yeah, look look good. Look good. Look healthy. Um just disappointing the way the last season went and uh, to see him follow up a thousand yard rushing season. Not that it was a bad season for him. I guess he ended up being Carolina's leading rusher, at least in terms of carries, if not also in terms of yards, but not the swan song that he wanted in Columbia. No, but, but he, you know, the, the bowl game, I felt like um, that was one of the first times last year that he looked like the Kevin Harris we're used to seeing. I I, I think the back situation going into last year, um, you know, him having to come back from that injury and just um, wasn't quite himself until the latter part of the season. And, and then you really started to get to see, um, you know, him him be himself there late. So 
I'm happy for him, man. Um, kind of a guy that wasn't, again, that highly recruited. Even, you know, the year, going back to something Chris said yesterday, the year that um, he ended up basically leading the SEC and rushing, that was obviously when Marshawn Lloyd got hurt. And mm-hmm. going, I remember that that uh, preseason, everybody was talking about Marshawn Lloyd and the excitement level for him and how he was probably going to be the starter. And um, I've always, I, I made a comment, at, you know, as that season went on, I was like, I don't think the things that Kevin Harris does well necessarily show up um, in practice in modern day football necessarily when you're not uh, you're not tackling running backs to the ground except for you know maybe a couple scrimmages and uh, yeah you're trying to be physical but but his big thing is that just I mean he's he's a freaking load like he's hard to bring down great balance um, you know you put him in a game setting with some adrenaline going and some actual tackling and uh, he's a different player in mm-hmm. my opinion so he kind of came out of nowhere I even remember um, hearing, I mean, literally the source here, you know, this is a long time ago now, it was literally coaches telling me like, you know, Marshawn Lloyd looks the best of the running backs. And then they were hoping Z White, who had hmm. just arrived as a Juco guy, could step in and be the guy. Hmm. Um, and then here comes Kevin, just, you know, no nonsense, goes out there and ends up being... Yeah, probably didn't in, say a word in the whole season. Yeah, yeah but let his... Uh, let his running do the talking. Yeah. Well, and the funny thing about Kevin, too, and it's interesting how, how quickly go, someone goes from being kind of an afterthought to being a superstar. Like, I mean, it just takes 10 games, and everyone was like, oh, Kevin Harris. That's that's cemented in Gamecock history. But, but but going into that season, it was like, Kevin Harris, oh, yeah, that's the guy that had that big run against Coastal. Like, that was the only thing he did. And then he what, he like tore a muscle in his pelvis or something like that and missed most of the season. Sounded like an awful injury, but it was it was so funny because it was like a running joke that season. It's like, oh yeah, Kevin Harris is going to average you know seventy five yards a carry because ten games into the season he had like one carry for seventy five yards, and it was like not seventy five yards, but it turns out you know as much as that was coastal, as much as that was one run, as much as that was last year, it's like oh yeah, this guy actually is pretty good. Yeah, he he um, he's really good, man, and I I think. Um, are you are you thinking about the Charleston Southern game? Yeah, or, Charleston Southern. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. No, because he I was trying to pull it up real quick. He had like three it was like four rushes for like three touchdowns or something. Yeah. It yeah. was something it was crazy. His stat line in that game was insane. Um not a very good Charleston Southern yeah. team. <laughs> terrible, <laughs> that, terrible. That was the big takeaway from that game. But um but yeah, kinda came out of nowhere and, and now now he's played in the NFL and um again I, I think I think it's a good spot for him. May have a chance to stick. You ne- you never know with running backs. Like, you need luck yeah. to stick in the league as a running back. But I'd say maybe that is the one concern, though, having had, like, I don't think tearing a muscle off your pelvis is like, oh, you got to worry about this guy. He's injury prone. But then, it, what was it, a foot injury last year that, that, that kind of hampered him? Was it a foot or a... Well, yeah, he had the the back deal going oh, it was the back, it was the back surgery in the yeah. offseason, right. So, yeah, yeah. That, that would be the one thing that you do worry about is someone that plays as physical a brand of football as he does... You know, how long could he hold up? But, I mean, assuming that he can stay healthy, there's no reason that he shouldn't be able to stick in the league for a while, in my opinion. But you do, I guess, just worry about the health. Yeah, and I, that's, man, with running backs, it's such a just physically tough position. Like, you're, I think as far as consistent wear on the body, um, obviously one of the, the toughest positions out there. So you, you need some luck. Um 
You need to be at a place where, you know, it's kind of funny. It used to be, guys, you know, give me the ball, give me the rock. Um, you kind of want to be somewhere where you split some time and, and keep the mileage off a little yeah. bit. So, um, so, yeah, we'll see. But, uh, yeah, definitely pulling for Kevin. I think he handled himself the right way throughout his time at South Carolina. 803-404-6100, Love Chevy phone line, text line at West Mitchell GC, at Pearson Fowler, however you guys want to be a part of the show today. A couple of recruiting notes. One uh, South Carolina prospect that is set to make his announcement in about an hour here, and uh, one decommit from the Gamecocks who's gone ahead and flipped his allegiance to another SEC school. So we'll dig into a little recruiting with Wes next. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen. With Pearson Fowler, Chris Clark, and Wes Mitchell. On the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. 11.31, Friday morning. Rainy Friday. The rain is uh, finally slowing, but it rained buckets. I imagine Carolina will be practicing indoors now when they get back into action this afternoon. Wes Mitchell and I are dry here in the Herndon Chevy studios of 107.5 The Game, talking a lot of Carolina football. Get into a few recruiting notes uh, here for you in just a second, but the Gamecock Central Hour, only possible because of the good people, especially Larry, over at Firehouse Subs. Yeah, shout out Larry. Um, Advertising works because it's been working as the person delivering the advertising (laughs) as well. Um, I got to say this, man. Firehouse Subs, the rapid rescue order online um, locations all over the greater Midlands area. I have one over near me on Garner's Ferry Road, so here's what I do, man. When we leave here, I hit the rapid rescue right before I walk out, tell them what I want. Usually club on a sub, no onions, add oil and vinegar, and then I just pick it up on the way home, can have lunch, very quick, very efficient, and... um you know, you can call in an order, you can go in, you can stand in line, they'll get it out to you pretty quick anyway, but the best way to do it, in my opinion, just go all in on this whole online ordering thing. Rapid Rescue will tell you exactly what time it's going to be ready. You can pick it up right there on the shelf and be on your way. Again, Firehouse Subs, I guarantee if you're in the Midlands and you're hearing us, there's a Firehouse Subs pretty close to you. So go check them out. 12 locations, a 13th to be open soon. And uh, Chris is really excited for that one, which will be, I guess, in West Columbia. So thanks again to Firehouse Subs. A uh, little recruiting here. So Vakari Swain is a three-star athlete prospect out of the state of Georgia. And he's expected to make his decision in about an hour. Is that right, Wes? Yep, 1230. Uh, he'll be announcing. Had a official top six that included, or includes, I should say, Mississippi State, Maryland, Vanderbilt, Duke, Georgia Tech, and the Gamecocks. Hmm. Um, you said included. Is this a is this already a done deal? Well, no. I uh, you know I posted on our board earlier. I he's it, kind of a low key kid, not like a big self promoter. Kind of keeps to himself. Um, I I if I had to predict, I would predict South Carolina. I don't feel like I don't have quite as much infor- concrete information as mm-hmm. I normally do to feel like completely comfortable and do kind of like the. Wink, I feel good about the Gamecocks' chances thing. But um, there's enough floating around out there to think that the most likely choice uh, would be South Carolina. Mm. Um, I think, you know, Mississippi State was his most recent visit. Uh, He took an official to Vanderbilt. Those were a couple of other um, schools, I would say, to watch. Uh, One of the big questions was also, is, was it going to be a wide receiver or cornerback mm. in, in college? And uh, Mississippi State was recruiting him to play um, receiver. 
that's Steve Spurrier Jr. actually is their receivers coach. Oh, wow. So a uh, little connection there, yeah. obviously. And, um, you know, Carolina has, has been talking to him, it seems like, mostly at, at DB. Mm-hmm. Uh, Torian Gray has been highly involved here. Yeah. You know, my, my impression is they see him as a guy who actually could do both in Columbia um, or, or do either one, I should say. Like, I don't think they're going to be running him out there on both sides of the ball, but that he ultimately could, you know, if it didn't work out at cornerback, he's got the ability and skill set to play receiver at the next level as well. I saw him at the Under Armour camp in uh, Atlanta, very smooth athlete, has some height at six foot one. Um, he's going to have to, you know, add some strength and, and muscle at the next level. But um, if South Carolina gets him, would be a, a really solid pickup of, you know, a guy with some versatility. Well, let, let me ask you this, because it's a running joke that defensive backs are just wide receivers that can't catch, right? But when you have somebody that is an athlete, is it just a matter of filling a position of need? Or, or does South Carolina see something specifically in Swain that they like more at defensive back than wide receiver? Or do they not like his wide receiver skills enough to recruit him specifically as a wideout? You know, usually it's more like, all right, um, in this case, Torian Gray being the DB's coach, he's probably said like, look, th- you know, this this is my guy. I I like him. I want him. And, um, you know, some, sometimes you even kind of have uh, – you know, maybe there's a little bit of, not not a fight, but like Justin's like, no, I want him. Yeah, it's kind of like, well, no, we're you know we want to recruit him over here. Hmm. Other times, um, like with Nicholas Harbor, who you know is the the best athlete in the country, he may be saying Harbor may be saying, you know, I like the idea of playing defense, but I like the idea of playing some offense, and both sides look at him and say, you know, this guy's so good, we're just gonna all recruit him. We'll yeah. figure it out when he gets. Just tell here. him what he wants to hear. You well, and you know, it's like if if. Really, the the guy could play either spot. Like he he could be he could excel in either spot. When you look at an athlete that is that talented, so you know. I but I think going back to Swain, it's just kind of like you know Torian Gray identified him as a, as a guy he wanted. Um, you know, I, I believe Justin Step has been somewhat involved as well. Um, you know, the kid played receiver at the Under Armour camp that I went to. So hmm. I I think this one, some guys are athletes, and you can kind of definitively say. Hey, the staff sees him at this position. Mm-hmm. That's probably what he's going to play, and it's probably not going to change. Other times, it's more like um, this is probably the position he's going to start out at. But there's enough for you to think that, um, oh well, actually, depending on how things play out, he could end up on the other side of the ball. Mm. Uh, you mentioned the top six, and I, I understand uh, we we talked about this earlier this week. Ben Portnoy uh, made like the definitive list in the last couple years of guys that have come from the DMV to Columbia, it makes sense that in those cases, Carolina would be going head-to-head with Maryland. But you mentioned Maryland in the mix now for Swain, too, and Swain's from Georgia. I I feel like Carolina's had more head-to-head recruiting battles with Maryland than North Carolina and Georgia and Clemson and a a lot of the other schools around here. What's going on with Maryland and South Carolina? Is it it just random? It's kind of random. Well, with with Swain, it it is just kind of random. Um you know, with these other guys, it's just that South Carolina is, you know, they're, they're trying to kind of move into that DMV area. You look at this staff, um, you know, lots of ties, obviously, to Virginia. When you look at Shane Beamer, you look at Torian Gray, lots of ties to um, to several different Northeast areas when you're ta- you know, talking about Pete Limbo. So it, it, part of it is just that they want to expand the uh, the recruiting footprint a bit and, Schools, I feel like more than ever, are going a bit more national, and I include South Carolina in that. Everybody's so interconnected now. The kids are all on Twitter. They all 
pay attention. They all uh, stay in touch with each other. So um, you're just seeing South Carolina expand that footprint. And one of the areas they happen to be at, uh, you know, is, is Maryland, that DMV area. And, you know, in Maryland, it, it's kind of, it, Mar- if Maryland, I'm trying to put this the way it makes sense. If you're a DMV kid and you're, you know, let's say you're a top 10 prospect in Maryland. Um, if you're like an elite five-star guy, most other than Harvard, you know, that's, if you're South Carolina, Alabama's maybe involved, Ohio State's maybe involved, you know, those guys are, are difficult to land. But let's say the number five kid in Maryland, probably going to be willing to listen to Maryland. But if, if you have a connection there and you're South Carolina, probably willing to listen to you as well. So uh, if you're South Carolina going into Maryland, you feel like that's a program that you can go toe-to-toe with, hmm. even if they have the uh, the uh, local advantage. Yeah. You can maybe feel like you can go in there and land a couple of guys. Um, you know, obviously, and they have. Yeah, and obviously, like, you're not feeling like you can go into Alabama and land yeah, the guy right. that Bama wants. Yeah. If that makes sense. I see what you mean. That's interesting. Um, uh, kind of flipping the script here, that, that announcement will be in, like, 50 minutes or so. So as soon as we get news... Um, on what Swain decides, South Carolina or one of the other schools, we'll certainly keep you posted here on 107.5 The Game. Uh, this happened on Wednesday, and I didn't get a chance to talk about it yesterday, but Jaden Robinson, who's a four-star linebacker prospect out of Florida, has officially flipped, decommitted from South Carolina, went ahead and committed to Florida. He and Pup Howard, was it, was it like the same weekend or kind of within the same week that those guys committed? And it was like, wow, South Carolina grabbed two four-star linebackers out of Florida. I don't know if the anticipation was that, that you know, uh, Robinson was maybe like a less solid commit than Howard to begin with. You had mentioned that Howard has been, you know, along with Dante Reno, like such a proactive member of that class of 2024 in terms of recruiting other guys, um, but for or 2023, excuse me, or 24, whatever class it is. I can't keep track. Uh, were you surprised by the Robinson flip? And is this one that has a chance to flip back the other way? Was not surprised. Um, this was a situation I would say the last uh, few days or so, um, before the flip, uh, the writing was kind of on the wall. Like there, there were already some, I would say, some signs that this could be possible. That um, you know, because Florida, it was it was so weird, man. Florida offered him basically it was like a day or two before he committed to South Carolina, um, and uh, before he publicly committed to South Carolina, he had already verbally, you know, told the staff he was going to be a Gamecock. Well, then Florida offers him late, and it, it was such a weird thing to me. Why are you offering a guy right, you know, right before he commits? Mm-hmm. And um, so he commits to South Carolina. He had long time been sort of leaning to the Gamecocks. But um, Florida, you know, in-state school, obviously, there's some Florida influence at that school, I think, as well. And um, so it was always something to kind of pay attention to, to be aware of. But then he actually took, uh, you know, a visitor to, to Florida recently uh, the communication, I, I think, between him and South Carolina had sort of started to to drop off a little bit. So there were kind of some warning signs there. Mm-hmm. And then um, the staff, uh, from what I would heard, just kind of knew this was going to come and had mm-hmm. already kind of started to um, – they've already got their attention on some other guys at, at linebacker as well to, to kind of fill that spot. So I would not uh, anticipate what I would call like a Cam Upshaw situation. He mm-hmm. obviously decommitted, then recommitted 
uh, very, very quickly after that. Yeah. And that but, happened with Anthony Rose last year as well, too, right? Yeah, yeah. So, but in this case, um, you know, Robinson's already committed to Florida. Um, I just, but both sides, it's kind of, it's kind of at this point, you know, yeah, he decommitted, but at this point, it's kind of like a mutual split as far as how it's going forward. Like, I, I don't yeah. think South Carolina is going to be involved anymore. Yeah. That makes sense. And, and honestly, like, a, just a perfect encapsulation of why I don't look at recruiting rankings until, like, December and why, you know, don't count your chickens before they hatch or, you know, before guys have signed their, um, you know, national letter of intent or whatever. You know, it was a couple weeks ago, Carolina had, what, like, 17 commits and eight of them were four stars. And then they lost Upshaw. And then they got Upshaw back. And then they lost Robinson. So there, there's so much fluctuation there. You mentioned Carolina has its, mind, uh, has its eye, excuse me, on a couple other linebackers. Um, they they do specifically want to replace that, or was it when they took him? Was it like you you just wanted at least one linebacker and you got that in Howard, and now they can spend that scholarship however they want, or is it specifically they're going to want to replace a linebacker in that class? Yeah, I my impression is they're going to want to to add at least one more linebacker to this class, and I, I think they feel pretty good about being able to do that. You know, I, I think you always have you always have kind of a rough idea of what how many you know numbers you want at each position mm-hmm. now that too can can be fluid some you know sometimes uh that number gets bigger because you know maybe some guys on on campus you're like well this guy or this these two guys may transfer out so that that number starts to grow mm-hmm. maybe some some players you were counting on with your current roster don't um you know you're like maybe this evaluation wasn't as good as we thought it would be yeah. um the other side of that can just be if you're in on a player that's too good to turn down you say, well, we're going to take an extra spot here just because we don't want to miss on, on this player. And again, uh, you know, not to get too deep into the weeds, but the uh, the 25 limit uh, per class is not in play this year right. anymore. So that's going to potentially have an effect. And, on and maybe Carolina's going forward, right? This is a temporary suspension, but I, I feel like I've heard people say they expect this to just become the norm now, right? Yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting to see what changes they continue to implement. It definitely could be permanent I know it's for this year. I want to say I should know this. I want to say they're already saying it's going to be for the next two next two that cycles. So, but there's been so many rule changes lately. Hard to keep up with. Yeah, Casey hit us in the text line eight zero three four zero four sixty one hundred. Said give it a year in Carolina, we'll pick them back up in the portal. <laughs> Robinson could be. I mean, that's that's the nature of college football. And it was interesting too. Oh man, and I can't remember who it was. It was either Lamont Paris or Shane Beamer. One of those guys talking about the transfer portal the other day at a media event, we're talking about, you know, having already recruited some of the guys that are bring, being brought into the fold now. Now, Shane also mentioned, you know, when you pick up somebody like a Jason Brown or EJ Jenkins at the transfer portal, oftentimes that's not someone that was on your radar and no prior relationship. But I think, I mean, this will be year two now of the transfer portal being in, in full swing. I, I I think that'll be a big factor. Like a lot of guys that commit, decommit, go somewhere else, you know, if they put their name in the transfer portal, you got to imagine the schools that was that was their initial commits got to be high up in the priority list. Yeah, relationships uh, stand up, you know. And I, I think um, the the interesting thing recruiting used to be um, kind of like a zero sum game. Like either if if you finish second, um, who cares? You did you know you did not land the mm-hmm. player, and it's like finishing. And and some of your you know hardcore maybe negative fans would say. Well, well, I don't care if you finish second. If you finish second, that is um, the same as finishing eighth. You're the first loser. Yeah, you didn't yeah. land him. What good does it do to finish second? Um, you know, you can't make that argument 
anymore. Even if you believe, I didn't necessarily believe that argument in the first place, but if you did, you can't make that argument anymore because now you're seeing players who hit the portal and whenever they do, some of the first places they're going, the first places they're going to kind of reach out to is going to be, hey, I know this coach from the recruiting process at that school and I'm going to reach out to him and see if there's some interest. And I I think, you know, in the past, um, you know, maybe when somebody doesn't pick your school, you even see coaches not handling it very well. Well, that can actually hurt you down the Mm. road if um, if you didn't at least continue. You don't even have to continue talking to the kid necessarily if he wants to be left alone, but you want it to be a cordial um, sort of breakup almost when when a prospect picks another school. Yeah. 803-404-6100. Love Chevy phone line, text line, however you guys want to be a part of the show, please hit us there or on Twitter at Pearson Fowler at West Mitchell GC. One more recruiting question as we wrap things up here on the Gamecock Central Hour next. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen with Pearson Fowler, Chris Clark, and Wes Mitchell. On the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. Eleven fifty one Friday morning. Welcome back into the extra point. Pearson Fowler, Wes Mitchell here with you for the Gamecock Central Hour here on one oh seven five the game. The rain finally is slowing. South Carolina practicing this afternoon, probably still going to be indoors, but the second full pads practice of the twenty twenty two season. So excited to see what that looks like for the Gamecocks. Um I have a random recruiting question for you. Uh but first I'm ready, I hope. Well, I mean, you, you know how much I like to put you guys on the spot. Before we get to that, though, I want to remind everybody, one of the great sponsors of what you guys do here on the Gamecock Central Hour on 107.5 The Game is Integrated Media. Yeah, man. Um, we're excited about having Integrated Media not only as our sponsor for this show. They actually were our first sponsor of Gamecock Central on 107.5. Uh, they sponsored our call-ins earlier this year and now a official sponsor of the Gamecock Central Takeover. Give them a call, 803 948 Seven. Um, they're located in Chapin, but uh, pretty much servicing all the Midlands. And uh, again, I've been I've been warning everybody, Pearson, get your man cave ready. Uh, you you are running out of time. You don't want to have your friends over, and your TV's just you know a little bit too small. Maybe the surround sound's not working, and you definitely don't want your your Hulu Live or your YouTube TV buffering during the game. Like that is that's the Ew. pits. That's bad, man. They're not going to come back to your house for the next game if you're buffering. So Integrated Media, that's IntegratedMediaInc.com. Any of these issues, any of these things that concern you, they'll take care of you. That's Integrated Media. Wes, the um, the hype videos. We played yeah. a segment of Tree Babalade's announcement video that he posted on Twitter. And uh, Pup Howard, whom we've been talking about, who's doing... A, a terrific job recruiting on behalf of South Carolina, you know, posted a cool graphic with all the guys that he is trying to encourage to commit to South Carolina. Do they do their own graphics? Do they have their social teams or does Carolina put those things together for them slash with them? Okay. I'm going to try to give you the answer. All right. Um, so there's a new rule in place. Mm. It used to be that, um, used to be that schools could not send personalized videos to prospects. Um, so there could not be direct involvement. Um, and you would see kids, sometimes players would even like, they'd be videoing 
campus visit stuff on their phone. Mm-hmm. And then they would leave campus and they'd send it to somebody online, you know, and they'd throw it together for them. Um, and it would have to be somebody not affiliated with South Carolina. Hmm. There's a new rule that says um, schools can send recruiting content that is personalized with the player's name, you know, image, however they want them to do Them in the Gamecock jerseys and helmets and... Yeah, yeah, and it can be a video. Uh, you used to not be able to do the videos. So I believe that opens things up um, for South Carolina to help with the commit videos, which is probably what happened yeah. with the trade. Well, because players have these all the times now, and in professional sports, you see it all the time, where it's like, hey, this trade just happened, and here's like a quick Photoshop of this player in a, you know, Spurs jersey or whatever. Um, I've just noticed a lot more of it in recent years, and, uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, obviously, these are kids that grew up with the Internet, so if they're savvy enough and can do Photoshop and edit video and all that stuff, I'm not going to be surprised. But there's a uniformity to it. You know, it's so in line with all the specific marketing and branding the university has in place already. I didn't know if it was just... It's they, on brand, they were, right? Like huh? it's, it's 100% on brand. Yeah, like yeah, the, but I didn't know if it was like, hey, you know, player X is doing it because he knows this is the university's branding, or if, like, Justin King and crew were... Like, like for the Babalade video, did he cut that himself? Did Justin help him with that? Was it a third party? Do you know? I, I don't know, but I, I think, again, I think there, and looking at the video, um, yeah. looking at the Pup Howard video, and I, I think Pup even um, even tweeted, uh, you know, Justin King is the goat or something like yeah, that yeah. after. So uh, I think there's much more involvement now um, than, than there once was. Uh, Craig just hit us in the text line and says, Reno, that is Dante Reno, the quarterback prospect, said Pup Howard did his own graphic of the tree inside Williams Bryce on Twitter. I did see that. That one looked like a little more of an obvious Photoshop. That was uh, that was a good one, though. We're, we're just like peak content right now. We've talked about like, you know, the Shane Beamer hype video, the video of, you know, him giving the speech to his team up in the upper deck that came out yesterday or whatever. But that, I mean, that was good. That was good. I the like players. That. I'm just saying like peak content, like the stuff and specifically the universities turning out for the players, for the coaches, for the fans is like, man, that stuff's good. They, uh, they gotta be busy too. Like yeah. kudos to those guys, man. Creative, uh, media team over there at South Carolina. Um, I mean, they're just, yeah, they're so good at what they're they do. They're turning it out though. Yeah. Um, and that takes a lot of man hours to put that stuff together. But, uh, so, you know, kudos to them again. And uh, they don't miss, though. Like, mm-hmm. they, it, it's good. I, I really thought, um, you know, the Beamer video at the top of Willie B, was that yesterday it came out? Yeah, I think so. That was cool. That was a cool message. It was a good message. Uh, definitely, you know, he was telling the players that, but, and I, I, I kind of started the show with this, but that's, uh, that video right there, as much as he was talking to the players, that was for the fans, you know? Which is great. Like, that's part of what Shane Beamer has to do. He just, he knows, and, and again, that was one of the other interesting notes from watching Welcome Home Wednesday night, Justin King just being like, yeah, Shane just gets it. And that's another example. Like, does that mean Carolina's going to win nine games this year? Nope. But does that mean a heck of a lot to all the fans that are, you know, watching that? Like, it's <laughs> like it's the speech at the end of Braveheart? Absolutely. I look at all that stuff as a way to augment your on-field production. Like, if 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 you win if you win two games, and um, you know then you do all that stuff, then fans kind of start to roll there. We saw it with uh, the uniform videos. Yeah, people by, used to love them, and by the end they hated them. Yeah, people. I mean, people loved them, and man, we we started. You know, we would when it when it came out. We even we had a story every Thursday when it came out. 
you know, hey, South Carolina is going to wear this, this, and this, and yeah. we'd embed the video. It's one of the most clicked things we had. Yeah. But then by the end, people were going, yeah. who cares about the uniforms? Mm-hmm. Um, all right, that we, we ran a little long here. That That's going to be part of our uh, random recruiting question of the day segment that I want to start, just putting you guys on the spot with random questions. So I appreciate the information there. We are out of time, though. Y'all have a great weekend. We'll be back Monday after South Carolina scrimmage and with some thoughts after getting to watch practice uh, with our own eyeballs today. So y'all have a great weekend, and the Halftime Show is coming up next. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.